Hello and welcome to the Tesla Motors Club podcast. My name is Seb. I'm Doug. And I'm Lewis. On today's episode, there can be only one, <laughs> the Model 3 Highlander. We're going to talk about <laughs> Land of the Giant. I know, I know. We're going to talk about Land of the Giants. We're going to give you our thoughts on the The Verge podcast. And we're going to talk about Doug's road trip across the country featuring rockets. <laughs> Episode 50 starts now. <laughs> Gentlemen, good to see you. How's it going? What's up? It's going all right. <laughs> it's going. <laughs> you know, I had a feeling there was a reason that we found each other because I have not met anybody that knew the movie Highlander in a long time. So everybody tuned in. I apologize for the really bad joke. But obviously, we're excited. Uh, we're a week late. But the Model 3 Highland was finally revealed, at least in Europe. Not in the U.S. yet, um, so I, I figured we could jump right in and uh, kind of get your guys' thoughts on how you like it, what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, um, you know, it's it's pretty. Uh, it looks pretty interesting. Uh, so you know, we have to go to the uh, the German uh, <laughs> the German Tesla site because uh, it's not yet available in the U.S. And I don't know when it's going to be available in the U.S. But, uh, yeah, it looks like uh, some real improvements here. Um, I can't quite tell. Uh, it seems to me not too many of the body panels have changed. And at least, you know, the side hasn't changed so much. Uh, there are some changes to the, probably to the hood a little bit, uh, given the different profile and on the... Um, the quarter panels, given the different profile of the, of the headlights and the taillights. But uh, I, I guess they're just a lot of little little details. Uh, maybe Lewis has some some opinions there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think overall it's a it's a good improvement. I mean, it's a refresh. Uh, you know, they generally you hope that they they make things better. Um, some folks will be happy. Some folks won't. It's kind of a step in the direction towards almost like the refreshed Model S and X. Um, so you know, a lot of the little embellishments. Um, you know, seem they're probably uh, you know the bigger screen, and they're kind of went over to more like capacitive touch buttons and things like that. I'm pretty sure, and um, they got rid of the stalks, right? So now it's the 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 steering wheel. They're not doing a yoke, but the steering wheel um, is going to be similar to the steering wheel available for the refreshed SNX, um, which is probably the biggest you know contention <laughs> that a lot of people will probably have with uh, upgrading. But um, a lot of yeah. a lot of nice minor tweaks that I think overall are good. Yeah, we, we heard from uh, Mike. Mike isn't with us uh, on the episode today, but uh, he uh, he was planning on on getting uh, that uh, that new Model Three when it becomes available, and his wife vetoed it on the fact that there weren't uh, there weren't stalks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I bet you there'll be a third party, uh, you know, can bust based. Yeah, there's yeah. a uh, there's a mod already available for the. I saw um, somebody did that for the Model S Plaid where they they put socks back in. So it's definitely I expect third party options for that. Um, and Mike's the kind of guy that would efficient. do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's pretty it's pretty cool. Um, there's you know overall like we got a bunch of new specs, 
So um, the back seat has an eight-inch touchscreen now, um, which does entertainment and uh, temper temperature control, uh, similar to Model S and X. I think that might actually be a little bit bigger than the screen on the Model S. Um, I I honestly don't remember what what the size is in my car, but um, eight-inch sounds reasonable. When you look at it in the picture, it looks pretty big. Um, they increased the speakers. There used to be 14 speakers. Uh, now there are 17 speakers. Um, and for the all-wheel drive version, uh, there's two subwoofers and two amps um, compared to single amp, um, which is what the rear rear wheel drive version has. Um, you know, they updated some of the external styling, uh, you know, uh, blind spot indicators now. Uh, oh, huge, the range increase. Um, so I'm curious to see what the options are going to be for ranges, um, if it's going to be multiple options or not. Yeah, I, my, my sense is that the range stuff is unchanged. Uh, there's not like a different battery or anything. What, what, what's affected the range is that with the, the different styling, there's slightly less, um, slightly uh, smaller uh, coefficient of drag, right? So, and so that at least in Europe, they're claiming a 5% increase in range without changing the battery capacity. So I, I would expect something similar. Of course, uh, you know, we have different, um, like the EPA cycle, whatever they use to test range is less forgiving than uh, the European cycle they use. So, um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know that 5% is, you know, that's gonna make or break it for a lot of people. I, um, I, yeah. I think the, um, I, I do like that, you know, everything is just a little bit better. Uh, to me, the most, uh, the biggest things would be the acoustic changes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we'll talk about it a little later, but you know, I'm on a, a road trip here and just kind of the, the noise, the road noise, uh, you know, what they've done is they've added this sort of, you know, this sort of thicker glass that is acoustic glass all over the car, right? Not just the, the doors, but the, the roof and the windshield. And, and uh, so that's, um, that's a big thing also, seems like they've added more kind of soft materials in the interior, more sort of um, sound absorbing type uh, materials as opposed to harder sort of plastic materials that will, you know, make things more echoey. There are things that are a bit more uh, sound absorbing. So to me, that's that's a a major sort of creature comfort in terms of, uh, you know, making making it more enjoyable to to drive. I like the stocks, but I can probably, I, I can probably do without them. Uh, and it seems a little bit better than the, um, uh, the Model S steering wheel seems to be completely flat, right? In terms of the, the touch display, but it mm-hmm. looks like the, 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 it looks like they still have the rolling sort of wheels right. that the Model 3 has, right? Mm-hmm. So they have sort of more, it seems like they actually have just more control on the steering wheel. Whereas, you know, as it is right now, we just have these little ball sort of rolly things. It's like they have those, but they added these touch buttons, which they had to do if they deleted the stocks, right? They had to add the buttons for the turn signal and, and whatnot. It's definitely a different wheel. In the CarWow review that came out on the, the day it launched, he was saying that the buttons feel different than the S and X. So they're not just capacitive, but they, they it's almost like a little clicky. I think the mm-hmm. way that Porsche implemented it. So that should be an improvement. Overall, I like the shape of the wheel. This may be like a really minor point that might not matter to a lot of people, but I don't like that the the non-yoke wheel in the SNX, it just looks weird, like round. I don't like it. The If you scroll mm-hmm. down, I saw it on the Tesla website, you can see a really nice high-res image of the steering wheel. Looks great. 
It's got a horn in the middle, sure. which I yeah, know, a horn in the mirror, right? which seems obvious, but hey, <laughs> it should be there. See, it's got the D shape again. I, I like it. I think it looks really good. Yeah, um, they also have the perforated seats. Uh, you know, I'm sure uh, Lewis enjoys his. That's the one thing that I'm really missing. Like I'm driving around here in Texas with triple digit weather outside. And, uh, you know, the AC keeps things pretty nice, but when you're sitting in that seat and there's no, you know, there's no air, there's no breathing between your back, uh, and the, and the seat, it's, you know, you sort of move around to sort of <laughs> air things out back there. It'd be nice to, if uh, we had perforated <laughs> seats. <laughs> yeah, that'll be nice. What do you guys make of the fact that the performance version has not been announced? Are we feeling that there might be some additional changes? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I mean, all the changes that they've made here have been non sort of drive change related. They've been, you know, creature comforts and cosmetic type things. Um, so I don't know. Uh, this is supposed to be their lowest end vehicle right now, right? Uh, I mean, we, we could talk about it a little bit later, but there has been some rumors about, uh, about a, you know, a smaller vehicle. Um, you know, coming out of uh, the, you know, excerpts from the Isaacson book. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't expect that the Performance 3, I, I do expect there to be a Performance 3, uh, but I don't know that it will be anything particularly new about it. I'd say to me that the, the big thing that's kind of was hinted at and is missing here was in some earlier images, there was a sense that there was a, a little camera here, a nose camera. And, um, and in a sense, the seams that has disappeared and in all these sort of, uh, physical examples of the car that have shown up in Europe, there is no front camera. And so it, it starts to feel more like this, you know, what we've been calling, uh, hardware 3.5. It's not really hardware four yet. And, uh, you know, and it, that's hoping that that hardware four has a nose camera. Um, Opium. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. They might not just, they just might not be ready for it. And it, it might show up later. I think it's something you really need on the Cybertruck, if not for autopilot, just for driving the thing as you're pulling into a, uh, you know, a parking lot or whatever. You want to make sure you don't smash the nose into something. It's nice to have a camera right there. Uh, especially if, uh, you know, th these vehicles also have the deleted, I'm talking about the Model 3 here, but uh, they also don't have ultrasonic sensors. So as you're pulling in, you know, like right at the nose, you want to know what's there. I don't trust the the camera behind the uh, the rear view mirror to, uh, to let you know what's going on with the nose. Um, so so that's, uh, that's something that, you know, we've got to wonder and maybe that'll become, become available when it comes to the US, I'm, I'm not sure. Was that going to be for the 360-degree view as well, that front camera and the bumper? It certainly could facilitate that. Uh, Tesla could, could do something like that now. It wouldn't be great, but, uh, you know, just, just apply some kind of mapping to create a, a 360 view, but they, they're just not doing it yet. So, um, you know, it's not it, that big of a deal feature, but it's like a feature everybody else has. So it's like, you know, why not, why not do it? Mm-hmm. You guys seeing that comment from Paul? Um, he was saying that the manual for the Model 3 has apparently a version with wider 
tires in the wheel. So that could certainly be a different spec for the yeah. performance version, right? I do wonder, and this is obviously pure speculation, but I do wonder if the performance version might have some flared fenders or you know different spoiler in the the back of the vehicle. I think it'd be cool if it had something that distinguishes it as the performance version. You mean a little P on the back isn't enough for anymore? <laughs> uh, <laughs> little carbon. Uh, uh, you, you meant the letter P, okay. <laughs> so you had me confused for a while. <laughs> Um, you know, you know what? Given how many Model Threes they sell compared to the Model S, I wonder if uh, if they won't like. I just, I just had a thought. I'm thinking about all the sort of souped-up Honda Civics and stuff like that. So there definitely is a market for the, uh, I don't know, I, I, however you want the sporty lower-end car. It's like the lower-end car that's pushed up to be, you know, something. And I think. Like, as it is, the Model 3 performance is a great car and a great deal, really, right, mm -hmm. uh, for the cost. Uh, so, yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe they'll do something new or different for it. Um, I don't think they'll do anything that really means, like, I don't think you'll see fender flares or anything like that. Because I, I don't think they care to spend the time on making new uh, body panels. Like, the, the stamping of the panels, I don't... You know, I and I feel like even this update, they've they've minimized those kind of changes. Um, I agree. You know, so there's always there's always aftermarket that. as well. So like, mm -hmm. it's not like those things aren't available. It's just Tesla themselves is not going to provide it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots of like small enhancements though, in, in the interior, right? It's it's got that LED strip now running around. It's got a dual air zone, I think, for the front vents, right, where you can turn off the passenger side. That's been promised was, for a long time, actually. So, I was just impressed by the long list of, of changes. I wasn't expecting it to be that different, to be honest. But I think it looks great. It looks like a Mini S now. I was noticing the, the fact, like, when you're driving, it really is a black, at night, say, it really is a black hole in front of you in the, with the three. I mean, there is nothing in front of you. Uh, and it's really dark <laughs> back there. Like you don't have a sense. Where's where's the uh, you know where is the dash there? So um, and the the sort of uh, the sort of light uh, I don't know some kind of wire. It's an aftermarket thing with these little light pipes that people put uh, these LED strip things, um, mm -hmm. which seems fairly popular. So uh, yeah, I guess Tesla took the hint and let's go ahead and integrate. Uh, that kind of stuff um, for accents. I mean, that's that's something that Tesla has typically been um, not up with in terms of the rest of the industry, in terms of the quality of the interior, um, in terms of interior features. It's a, just a very Spartan interior, which I'm okay with, but there are things that, you know, there are creature comforts and things that people like to have. Uh, so, um, and some some better interior lighting, I think, uh, is uh, is a reasonable upgrade. So, did the old three have the interior lights on the door handles, like the the S does, or is it pitch black in there? There are lights in the. There is a little light in the door pocket, um, and the the buttons are lit. Uh, hmm. Thinking off, the, I can't really. There, there's some there's some kind of lighting on the door, but it's pretty minimal. Hmm. 
Louis, were you going to say something? Lighting. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about this whole thing. Like, I'm wondering, you know, what the the price point, like, if it really makes sense to even have the performance. Because on, honestly, like, it's obvious it's a good selling model. But I'm just thinking about it. Like, they keep dropping the price of the S, right? Like, the Model S has dropped forty grand this year alone yep. in in MSRP. It's kind of like, at what point is it the S versus the three? Um, so I don't know. I'm just wondering, like, I agree they'll probably do a performance, but I don't, I don't almost see what the point is, um, <laughs> with the pricing. Yeah. I mean, some have speculated that, uh, you know, that, that car might end, you know, uh, there, there are so few compared to the, uh, the three and the, and the Y, um, but it, it's supposed to be their flagship. Uh, vehicle, but yeah, I don't know. You know, ultimately, what are the margins? Even, even just, even if the margins are high, given how little comparatively the volume is, it it might not be that worth it for them. Uh, and if they're dropping the price on it, that means they're trying to move it. You know, <laughs> trying to get yeah. people to buy the thing. And uh, you know, Model Three is pretty good. Uh, I mean, Model S is nice too, but. Um, to me, that's always been a way too big car. Um, really? Yeah. Even even to me, the three is kind of big. So, uh, huh. I, of course, I don't have a family, and, and I'm not trying to put kids in there. But uh, you know, you're talking to, to the guy that drove you know Miatas for 20 years. So, yeah. I mean, that is by by comparison. That's a go kart. I know, exactly. <laughs> that's a small car, but that's a nice car. I mean, the Miatas are nice. My wife really wants one. Um, the, it's funny that you say that though, because when you're used to the S, I think going to a three would be, it would be a big change. So I guess it just depends on what you're used to, right? If you're driving, uh, a, an ice car, that's like a five series or like Audi, a four, a five. Um, I don't know how that compares directly to the, to the three. It depends feel, on what you're coming from. I, I drove, uh, an a four, not my own, but, uh, uh, a friend that didn't like to drive, so I drove her car around a lot. And uh, the A4 feels similar to the 3 to me. The S is just huge. The S, when they designed the S, they were trying to put in everything, including the kitchen sink. I mean, they they wanted it to be like, you know, a seven-seater and and all that sort of stuff and and have space for a large battery. Uh, And um, so the S is is kind of intentionally a big car. Um, so I, I think it's, I, I don't, I don't know what car to compare it to. Yeah. Like a Mercedes CLS or something, some, some other big kind of, uh, you know, luxury car, <laughs> but yeah, it definitely like felt it, big to me when I first got it just because like yeah. my previous cars, I had a, I had a Jeep Wrangler and then I had a 370 Z. So it's just like, yeah, two seater, <laughs> two seater cars, much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's small compared, like it doesn't feel big compared to an SUV, um, or a lot of SUVs that I've driven, but it's definitely big for a car. I I agree there, but it doesn't (laughs) feel too big. Like I'm comfortable with it. I, you know, I, at no point am I like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm taking up too much space. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the three is definitely probably a nicer size for most people. (laughs) Um, I'd agree Definitely for cities, I would I would agree, right? If you're in a in a big metropolitan area, I think it's a little easier to park, maybe squeeze into some parking spots. But I love the S. I think it's so easy to place and maneuver 
Um, and I, I guess one of the things we should talk about too. So now that the Highland is out, the Juniper, which is the sort of the next generation of the Y, that's also being rumored, right? So I, I guess we can assume it's going to have the same headlights, same taillights, couple other changes. But do you guys have any other thoughts on what that might bring to the Y? Pricing, demand, changes, timeline. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have thoughts. I, I, yeah, I think it'll probably be pretty much exactly the same. <laughs> uh, it'll probably be all the same changes. I don't see why they would do it any differently. Um, you know, I can't really speak to pricing because they, they move the pricing around all the time based on whatever they're trying to achieve. Uh, in terms of timing, probably not till next year. Uh, they're already doing this and the model, I'm sorry, the um, Cybertruck cyber truck needs to happen. So yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I don't think the, the why stuff will happen until next year. So, yeah. But I think it will happen next year. I don't think it will happen later than next year because um, the why is the best selling vehicle. And I don't think uh, people seeing what's happened to the three are, they're going to be waiting on their whys. And I don't think Tesla can afford to wait too long to make those updates there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I was wondering, like, you know, why the Highland is released in Europe first. And it's like, I feel like that's just because Cybertruck and like just the other nonsense going on in the U.S. Like they don't have time to upgrade their production lines and to change things over yet. So they like, you know, Germany was like, they're like, oh, yeah, we can new production line. No problem. Right there. <laughs> they, they switched over pretty easily. But uh it's and all the kinda, leaks were coming surprising. out of China, right? Um, right. So, uh, yeah, may, maybe part of it was because it's far away, and uh, <laughs> and they, yeah, it's it's new, it's sort of new production capacity. So, because uh, I feel like uh, Europe, a lot of those cars were coming from China, right? Um, right. So. So yeah, I, I don't. I, I was thinking also it might have to do with the autopilot type stuff uh, because that isn't really a big deal or isn't really um, allowed to do much in Europe, um, and and so you know maybe they'll get stuff ironed out and maybe when it does come to the U.S. it will happen. You know they want to do deliveries with the Cybertruck at some point this year, right? Um, and I do expect they'll do a, at least a symbolic delivery of, you know, of a hundred or less uh, this year. And I think part of that will have that uh, if they manage to get hardware four really going and have that front camera. So I, I would think like when it does sell in the U.S., it will have that front camera. That's my man. That's my you're guess. still holding out. Still holding <laughs> out for it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Mark Doug's words. We'll we'll check back once it's actually out in the U.S. It is funny to me that when you reach out to Tesla via phone or chat, well, phone you probably can't even get someone on the phone, but when you ask them via the chat, they basically deny that the Highland exists, which is interesting. It's probably just a training issue, and they haven't gotten the the updated training to their team yet. But I did think that was kind of funny that you know it's so obviously out there. And in the U.S., they're not acknowledging it, Lewis. I think it's the opposite. I think they are specifically trained not to admit to it because they're worried about uh, people, you know, canceling their orders or delaying their orders right now. Um, but you're right. It is it is kind of bizarre where it's just like, dude, I'm on your website. Here's a picture. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? That's not a thing. 
So <laughs> I, I agree with you. It, it is definitely strange, but yeah, yeah I don't know. If, if you're in the market and you don't care too much about all these things, now's a good time, right? To get, uh, to get a, a model three, say, you know, the pricing is reasonable, uh, a performance three right now should be pretty, pretty good. Uh, particularly if they have the newer, they do have the newer cameras at least. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, my car, it's starting to get longer in the tooth, you know, 2018. Uh, I don't know that I would trade it out though. I'm trying to get more towards not needing a car at all. So <laughs> that's sort of the direction I'm going. Oh, please. We all know you're waiting for your cyber truck to be delivered. <laughs> I have yeah, no need or interest for the cyber truck though. I, I will be excited to see it though. So, yeah. Well, before we move on to the Tesla podcast, the uh, the Verge podcast, um, Doug, did you want to add anything about the $25,000 Tesla car that's modeled after the Cybertruck? Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't know. It's it's some information came out in an excerpt from uh, the Isaacson um, Elon Musk uh, uh, biography that should be coming out soon-ish. Um, and um, uh, I guess what was the story? The story had to do with Elon was all in on we need to design our robo taxi now, and uh, it needs to be designed as a robo taxi. And Elon has a way of uh, repeating. He has like a few sort of phrases, and he'll repeat them. And uh, and one that seemed to come up was the neither fish nor fowl uh, analogy <laughs> that he that he used for uh, for plug-in hybrids. Uh, you know, this, you know, full EV or ICE, and if you get the hybrid, it doesn't do either but, uh, as well. I don't feel like that's a reasonable analogy here for uh, <laughs> for a, a robo-taxi. I mean, it's like, um, what, what's the difference between a robo-taxi car, like a one that's specifically designed to be a robo-taxi car in your normal car, is that, what, like a deleted steering wheel? I mean, uh, I, I don't see I what... I, th I think they're going for a util utilitarian, right? Like they want it to be super clean or like easy to clean and like, you know, just kind of like uh, get it out, get it, you know, use it, kind of beat up on it. You don't have to worry about. So basically it means like crappier interior, <laughs> fewer features um, and like cheaper to maintain. I think that's kind of their goal. I guess, but all those things could be desirable in a more economy vehicle. So um yeah. A anyway, what it appears to have happened is e Elon was saying was all in on this thing, and if 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 FSD doesn't happen, it's my fault or some something really dramatic. And uh, the executive team managed to uh, and and supposedly this came out of Franz. Uh, uh, they managed to convince him that oh well we could do the you know the a smaller uh more like a, a cheaper vehicle also we could do both at the same time or, or design them in parallel or put them on the same platform that kind of that kind of argument which uh you know elon who's uh, stubborn uh relented and uh and the words were that uh you know he wanted something that people would see you know say oh that looks like the future or something right and uh and and Isaacson, is it Isaacson that said they, they kind of evokes the Cybertruck? I don't feel like that is a real, I, I doubt they look like the Cybertruck. It's just that they look futuristic. So anyway, we're all just sort of guessing based on, on uh, you know, 
third party quotes now. So, you know, what do we know? But it's obviously something Tesla should do and it's something that should, you know, come out eventually. Uh, you know, I say the same things over and over again. I would like them, whatever that platform is, uh, you know, make a ragtop version of that. And that is the roadster I want. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's probably going to be like stainless steel, non-painted type, maybe the angular design, right? Like that's probably why they say, you know, it invokes the cyber truck or the feeling of it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's way too early to, I don't, to know. I don't know that that's what it will end up being. I, I think, I think the design of the cyber truck while, you know, if you're freehand drawing it, it might seem like a much simpler thing to make, but I think in reality, it's probably not that simple mm -hmm. to make. I think that there's a reason, uh, all the car designers don't already do that. Uh, and, uh, I think Tesla is probably learning that given the delays of the, of the mm -hmm. cyber truck. And I, I, I kind of doubt that a static would happen in the, the smaller car. And honestly, I don't even see how they get around pedestrian safe, safety standards with, uh, you know, hard angle like that. Um, so I, 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 yeah, so <laughs> I, I kind of doubt it'll, it'll really, and even the stainless steel thing, you know, that's, that takes stuff to maintain for it to still look good. Uh, you know, if you, you put some paint on it, it looks better. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're always like great ideas that seem like good, uh, in theory, and then just don't pan out in practice. Uh, I, I think I remember at, at one point they're talking about, uh, you know, the model S would make out of, make it out of aluminum and they'll just like, uh, um, the whole thing, like the whole paint would be electroplated or whatever, you know, like, uh, uh, yeah, that didn't work. Uh, so anyway, isn't, isn't the S made of aluminum though? Yeah. Yeah. They still paint, paint it, it though. <laughs> yeah. They still, they still paint it like a normal paint shop. You know, they're not just, I mean, obviously the first, there is a, an electro sort of dip, uh, you know, for when it, the body and white or whatever, but, uh, uh, yeah, they couldn't get away with that being the final coat. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we change gears and talk a little bit about the the Verge and Fox? No, sorry, Vox Media collaboration on Land of the Giants, which we've teased a couple of weeks ago. We've told you guys to go out and listen to it. By now, the series has wrapped. And if you've never listened to Land of the Giants, it's Vox's media's perspective on all things tech, Amazon, Meta. Um, it's a really interesting sort of review of what's going on and the intersection of technology and people. And in the latest series, they've looked at Tesla. And so you guys have listened to it. I still haven't listened to the final episode, which, Doug, mm. I know you listened to on your mm. on your road trip. But, uh -huh. I mean, in general, I'd love to get your guys' thoughts. Um, I wrote down a couple of notes as I was driving on the highway. I, you oh. know, put autopilot on. I was in a what? traffic jam. I emailed myself a couple of notes just so okay. that I don't forget. I think I, I threaded that needle pretty well just now. Um, uh -huh. So <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say you used the voice to text. <laughs> right. That's that's exactly what I did. Yeah. I, 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 you I, had a water bottle on the steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he took a pencil from behind his ear and his notepad that's and right. he held it up in front of his face as he wrote his notes down. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I have MCU one, so you can't really do any voice notes because it takes like ten minutes for the for the voice to register. 
But so in, in, in general, I thought it was a good series. I think it's worth listening to. I had asked you guys two weeks ago who you thought that whole podcast was for. Because to me, there wasn't a lot of new information as someone who's an enthusiast, who's been kind of you know paying attention to Tesla's development since the mid-2000s. But I think there's a couple of things that stood out to me. So, um, Luis, Luis, I'll go to you first. Why don't you let me know your thoughts? And then I'll kind of share the, the couple of notes that I took while I was listening to it. On, I guess, the whole series or uh, specific? Yeah, the whole, just the whole oh, series, okay. what you thought. So over, overall, I thought it was informative for uh, folks that aren't, like you said, that aren't enthusiasts or aren't like, you know, Tesla nerds that kind of stay up to date on the latest, whatever stuff is going on. Um, I The things I liked probably most about it was the history, right? Like I thought that that was probably... Um, a lot of it was interesting. Um, all the the background. Um, again, if you read any of like the Elon books or other things before, you probably knew most of what was said in there anyway. Um, but it was it was kind of interesting. Uh, so I thought I thought those parts of it were good. Um, where I didn't agree or I kind of lost, uh, I parted with the views on uh, with them was kind of when they started getting into like uh, competition and like the FSD type stuff. Um, you know, they, I felt like they were, you know, they, they did this whole thing where they were like, we're going to give points to Tesla's FSD versus, you know, um, other. And I felt like the arbitrary way in which they graded it was, you know, was like kind of nonsense. They, and they didn't even really give Tesla a bad grade. Like, I don't, if I remember correctly, it was almost like even, or it was like almost like Tesla slightly ahead or something like that. But it was, I don't know. The whole thing seemed kind of well, silly. That, that and, was like, the weakest arbitrary. episode. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. Was, that was pretty. Ugh. Um, but overall, I thought like you know it was it was interesting to to listen to. I learned a few minor things that I you know hadn't heard before, and uh, and it was it was what, what I probably was most fascinating to me was seeing their take on it, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're kind of outside looking in. I mean, we're all outside looking in. None of us were you know working at Tesla, but we're a lot closer to it, I think, than. Um, you know, just random, you know, media company that, you know, does other things. Um, so it was kind of interesting uh, to see their take and see their perspective. Yeah, I agree. Good thoughts, Doug. Um, yeah, well, uh, I think, you know, I, I have my, my, my phone here. So I think I'll, uh, just sort of go through the titles of the episodes here. So there are about six proper episodes. And I, I also think it's funny, like, uh, if it's, if it uh, if it's not for the the real Tesla nerds, then we basically shouldn't be uh, <laughs> suggesting it to our listeners, right? Because only real nerds are listening to us, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I don't know that we have the general appeal, right? Um, but I did find it worth listening to. So uh, let's see. So the first episode with electric car goes mainstream, and that sort of was more the the. The history of the car of uh, the company, I guess. The second was how Tesla became the Elon Musk company, and to me that was the most interesting episode um, because it, it sort of talks about how Elon managed to get control of the company uh, and and you know I essentially forced out uh, the uh, the other founders um, or the the actual original founders. Um, and I think that's worth discussing because I feel like the narrative, like there's been a lot of revisionist history on that. Um, and um, 
And what was interesting, particularly about it, is we've heard nothing from Martin Eberhard at all about it. And he actually, they actually managed to get a, a quote from him on this and, and talk to him a little bit. Um, and mainly, and he confirms what, what we uh, suspected, which was back in 2008 or so when, when all this was uh, going down. Um, the, uh, basically, you know, there was a lawsuit, uh, that essentially allowed Elon to call himself a founder. Like instead of the two original founders, which was Mark, uh, Martin Eberhard and, and Mark Tarpening, um, he made a, a founding team of five, which included them, added Elon, added JB and, um, Ian Wright, who's this, uh, New Zealand guy, um, and sort of swept them all in. So it, it, it kind of shows that, okay, they had to get to number five uh, to get Elon in there, right? Just to make sure he could, he could you know, call himself a founder. And, um, but what's interesting is, you know, Elon is really bad mouth. Uh, um, Martin over the years, the worst person I've ever worked with and uh, the, the biggest business mistake of his life. It just, you know, that really sounds like hyperbole to me. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so what, what Martin confirmed was that when they had that lawsuit, part of it, uh, of the settlement was a non-disparagement agreement. Uh, and Martin, if you ever see interviews, he typically says basically nothing about it. Uh, but Elon has felt very free because, you know, who's going to win when they go to court, you know, Elon, uh, you know, one of the richest people, if not the richest person in the world. And so it's, it's, you know, for that kind of thing, it's who's got more money. Even, even if Martin could win, uh, he could go bankrupt and just, uh, just trying to, uh, do the lawsuit. So anyway, I found, I found that part interesting and I thought, you know, there are many different versions, but I thought what they presented was closer to the truth. Uh, and, and I'll say it again, regardless, uh, Elon Musk is still the most important person in the history of the company of Tesla. Uh, even if he didn't found it, he's the most important person and probably would have died on the vine if it were just uh, Martin and Mark, even even though yeah. um, they still deserve some credit. Completely um, agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so the, the third episode is called Tesla versus the competition. That's the worst episode in the series of six. I would skip that episode even. They just do a really superficial, like, let's compare uh, Tesla and other EVs available and they bring up things like charging network and I don't know, things like efficiency and I, I, I forget what the other things were, but it was pretty useless and, you know, in my opinion Tesla's still probably the best overall and would win just based on char charging infrastructure alone, you know uh, I'm, on this, I'm on this long road trip and I have not had to worry about it you know, charging at all. And if I were driving a, uh, a Ford Mach-E, uh, like, um, actually what recently came out in the news was, uh, I think the secretary of energy is doing a kind of an EV road trip and going around to, uh, different, different places for, you know, it's mostly a political thing, but, uh, you know, that I would not want to be doing that in any other vehicle. So, um, so let's see. So that was the, the third one. So the fourth one, this one was the one that I learned the most from. So the human cost of ultra hardcore uh, was mm -hmm. the title of the, of the, of that episode. And, um, that really had to do with the, the labor stuff at, at Tesla. Um, 
about, uh, you know, there are lawsuits about uh, uh, sexual racial and, and racial discrimination uh, happening at the Fremont plant. Um, you know, racial epithets in the bathrooms, uh, some dude uh, being called the N-word to his face, you know, some really, some really uh, egregious stuff. And, um, and they had interviews with, you know, the, the people directly involved. And, and, uh, and I feel like, uh, like that story has been a bit glossed over uh, or sort of, you know, a bit suppressed. And I, I think that's worth, um, worth knowing about. I mean, definitely, I've known several people that have worked at Tesla and, um, and I found all that, um, you know, it kind of, kind of rang true in terms of, um, you know, having to work pretty hard. Uh, a, a roommate of mine used to work at Tesla and there was a guy that was really good at designing motors, I think. And, uh, and basically they wanted faster results out of him. And this is what my, <laughs> what my roommate told me. And he said the they basically came to him and said, you know, work as if you had a gun to your head uh, to get, you know, to get whatever done. Right. Uh, not everybody wants to work as if they have a gun to their head. Uh, well, that's probably why my door handles keep failing on my Model S. Because that's how someone, <laughs> it's got to be done. Them. Let's just put it in. And <laughs> yeah, so um, so there are definitely that there's that kind of thing in terms of uh, all that really matters is results and uh, and motivate the workers to work really hard, very long hours. Um, and, um, and, you know, there are other things I've had other friends that worked at Tesla. Um, there was a time when they literally decimated the company, like got rid of a 10th of the company uh, before a, uh, you know, uh, before the end of a quarter to reach some, financial uh milestone and uh and the people that were let go were the people that were getting paid the most and then when the quarter changed they were allowed to be rehired but they couldn't be rehired in the same place that had moved sort of horizontally uh so that their benefits sort of reset you know things like that so they're definitely sort of shady uh practices and one more thing in terms of uh, attitude um for a time, we did a, a conference, a uh, yearly uh, Tesla-related conference. We called it TMC Connect. And a couple years sort of early, uh, maybe for like one or two years, you know, Tesla tried, or at least we tried to work with Tesla uh, on this conference. And we had, uh, you know, the equivalent of their sort of PR. Actually, I think her title was customer retention. Um, and uh, and one thing that our our users had mentioned to us, or at least a subset of our users were interested in, um, like the women of Tesla or whatever, you know, women that work mm. at Tesla, that sort of thing. So we like at, at TMC, we have, you know, obviously it's mostly dudes, but there are are uh, some women and some women asked us, oh, could you make this part of the conference? And so when I made that suggestion to uh, this this woman that worked at, at Tesla was like, oh, uh, you know, some people are interested in, in women at Tesla. Could we get like some women engineers or something to do a talk? And, uh, and the way she responded to me was like, um, that's, that's not something that Elon is interested in. Uh, or, and, and, and essentially that's not something that the culture 
uh, Tesla as a whole is interested in, you know, all we're interested in is what, you know, what you can do and what, you know, what your performance is. We don't care if you're a woman or whatever, mm -hmm. which makes perfect sense. But, you know, some people are interested in that. And just the way it was sort of shut down is that, you know, that's not something we're going to do. Uh, that, yeah, you know, that, that sort of rang true to me. Not not to cut you off, but especially mm -hmm. because at so many different events, even with the the bot and all that stuff, they they and Elon has said this, right? They have recruiting events to attract certain people. Mm -hmm. So by featuring the women at Tesla, you would think he would be able to appeal to a different demographic that's skilled and interested and get mm -hmm. them to join Tesla, right? So that's a little interesting that that was just a prevailing thought. I didn't well, it was just interesting to me that the idea was shut down and and but I think it was shut down based on her perception of, of Elon, right? Mm -hmm. um, and certainly at that time, the the culture I got just sort of the sense I got was a, a very cover your butt sort of culture. Uh, basically, don't get Elon upset. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, I've heard stories of just you know. Oh, Elon is coming. People hear Elon is coming, and they basically try to <laughs> either try to hide <laughs> or just don't run into him because you might run into him, and then I'll and I'll grill you, and next thing you know, you're fired. Um, <laughs> and you know, you may be doing something really basic but important, and and he doesn't find you uh, interesting enough, and then hmm. you're out. So anyway, uh, so I thought that was the most valuable episode in terms of 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 learning something and it's something that's, you know, kind of glossed over. Mm -hmm. Um, also part of it was the, um, you know, the, the company had to shut down, you know, during COVID and, and, and how, you know, some, some people were, you know, during early days of COVID people were worried and, uh, <laughs> uh, and don't necessarily know what's going on. And, but they were forced to come into work, you know, uh, and there's also a story about how there was like a, a pipe had broken or something and, and people were basically still out to work even though they're like standing in water. And then there was another incident where there was a fire and like the place like smelled of like, you know, uh, you know, smoke or whatever. And people were told to go back to work and, you know, it's not like a, not necessarily a healthy environment to work on. So, but, you know, when you're just trying to make your, your quotas and trying to, you know, make your production numbers uh, at all cost or, you know, then, you know, something like that can happen. So anyway, there should just be a balance. Anyway, I found that to be an interesting episode. And just, mm -hmm. the, just to round it out, the, the next episode is the self-driving experiment, which was obviously about, um, you know, autopilot and FSD, things that we've discussed before. And then the last episode was called the global race for EV adoption. Uh, and I found that episode actually quite positive. It basically acknowledged that, you know, Tesla, you know, without, without Tesla, we wouldn't be where we are today in terms of EV adoption. Um, and, you know, even, even as the other competitors are, might be lagging, but they're still doing something. Um, and so, yeah, that I found it, I found that episode to be quite, uh, quite pro Tesla. So, uh, overall I thought it was, uh, worth a listen. Um, mm -hmm. and, but if you're short on time, I would listen to that second episode and that fourth episode the most, because I, I thought that was the most to, uh, uh, where you, where someone who's already a Tesla fan could get something out of it. Yeah. 
Um, to add to what you said, I think the first episode, I would agree with you that that was really interesting. And I didn't realize the link between Elon's experience at PayPal, right? How he kind of got shafted. And I, mm -hmm. I think I've heard him say that the way that that was portrayed is not how he remembers it. But I thought it was interesting that they almost staged this coup at PayPal where he went on vacation. I think it may have been um, after his wedding, right? He went on his honeymoon, yeah. Right? And uh, he was gone for two weeks. And this guy yeah. probably never takes any time off, right? So he was gone out of the office. And then he came back, and he was basically, like, stripped of his his role, he, he right? Was, and he, he may remember that. Yep. And, uh, so, and Peter Thiel had his cronies in, in the board, mostly. And, uh, and right. then he come back, and Peter Thiel's in charge, and he isn't, so... Yeah, uh, and he and he essentially did that to Martin, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that link was really interesting to listen to. Yeah. Well, I mean, Elon learns, right? <laughs> he's a he's a smart guy, and uh, and so he, he took that he took that lesson, and uh, so then yeah, the whole Tesla board were were his were his cronies, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So. Yep. Well, overall, I think we enjoyed the series. My only complaints, honestly, have to do with the fact how podcasts these days are produced. I don't know mm. if you listen to the first generation of Serial, but I feel like it's changed every podcast that came after. Did you guys listen to Serial when it first came out, the story about Atnan? I'm, no? I'm aware of it. Uh, okay. You'll still get what I'm trying to say because in Serial, they were portraying really like interesting, controversial facts that made you kind of question if he was guilty or not guilty. So they would state a fact and then the, this music would play, right? Din, 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 like a theme. And I feel like lots of podcasts do this now, but there's there's not a big reveal. It's almost like an empty statement. So in uh, Land of the Giants, I remember this one um, moment where they're like, we reached out to Tesla for comment, but there was no response. Yeah, because they don't have a PR department, right? So <laughs> it's not this big dramatic like mic drop. Um, so it, it, it could have been a little bit better research. There was a couple of things where it felt superficial, where I would hope that a media company spends a little bit more time probing into things. Same thing with FSD, I think they talked about autopilot as the cousin of FSD, where in reality, they could have spent a little bit of time that there was hardware one, right? This is like from 2014, basically in my car, 2015. And there's an evolution and FSD beta is not really mm -hmm. what autopilot started as, right? So right. just small stuff like that. And then the last thing I noticed also is they had a couple of really interesting, knowledgeable the, These are your on. notes uh, while you're That's on right. autopilot, right? <laughs> okay. That's right. They had Marquez on. I think Marquez Brownlee had a comment, uh -huh. MKBHD. But then yeah. it also seemed like they were just like handing the mic to random people off the street and, and ask someone <laughs> how much it would cost to charge your car at home. And some guy was like, oh, I don't have a charger in my garage, but I heard it costs thousands of dollars. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> so it's just stuff like that. I felt like uh, it misstated the experience of what it's like to own a car like that. Yeah, I, I, I found it a little produced uh, or slightly overproduced. Uh, there's kind of a narrator guy who has a sort of narrator type voice. And this is interesting. Something happened. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of that bit. Um, right. But also, um, to be clear, a lot of it wasn't necessarily direct interviews. Uh, I, th I think the stuff with Martin 
and a few other things were direct interviews. Uh, uh, some of it were just sound bites from other things that they used mm -hmm. and were were relevant uh, to them. But you know, like I don't did they did they talk to Marquez directly? I don't. I'm not sure. Um, I can't recall. I just remember him being featured for like 10, 20 seconds, just a sound mm -hmm. bite. So I don't know if they got a comment from him, if it was taken from a video, but I, I, mm -hmm. I did notice. Yeah. Well, overall, I think it's positive. I think, uh, I think it probably educated, you know, the, the, the people that sort of need to hear these sort of things I think it probably educated them some about, about Tesla and, and, and overall, I think it was, was positive and, you know, given the mm -hmm. way things, are today where you know we're sort of seeing climate change happen <laughs> as we're here and so uh um you know we evs are something big news <laughs> <laughs> sorry so, so i mean but it's again it's just one piece right uh but uh yeah. it's it's pretty important uh so mm -hmm. all right well I think that was a pretty in-depth review. So um, <laughs> yeah. anybody, <laughs> anybody on here who hasn't listened to it yet, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, so, Duck, one thing that was mentioned in the series is obviously supercharging, the charging network, Tesla's advantage in your favorite episode of the series, which we have huh. uh, just talked about that that was the one to skip. So let's talk about your road trip. Right, you're okay. on your way, kind of cross country. You're spending some time in Texas. You checked out the Saturn V in uh -huh. Houston. Hey, you're giving um, away all the good so, stuff. What you <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Why don't you, Why don't you walk us through it, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about supercharging and what that does to the battery of the car. Uh, yeah. So I had a. Uh, I'm actually in the midst of it now. Uh, um, yeah, I had, I had some reason to go to Texas and I thought, well, why don't I drive if at the time, like I'd need a car, uh, while, while being there and rather than renting one. And also I had some friends in, uh, in, uh, Atlanta. And I, I realize you're in Atlanta too. So, but I haven't seen you yet, but, uh, so it's a nice excuse for me to stop in Atlanta. And so, yeah, I, um, I left from Maryland and it took me. Uh, I suppose I could have mapped all this out, but it, I, that's the thing about, uh, uh, having, um, you know, the supercharging network, I, you know, I didn't really need to plan this out too much. I just kind of sat in the car and, uh, put in the destination and then let it tell me how long it would take to get there. And that, that's one suggestion I would have for Tesla and what I, I would like to have a, uh, like a mapping feature as part of the app. And I want to, I want to be able to kind of like Google maps, but Google maps, won't really do this for me. Google Maps will tell me what the drive is, how long the drive will take, and I can say, well, if I left at this particular time or I want to be there at this particular time, Google will tell me that, um, but it's not factoring in the supercharging. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I saw that, okay, for me to get to Atlanta was going to take uh, 10 hours, but... Uh, you know, but actually getting in the car, you know, it's going to be, you know, something like uh, 13 hours or something, right? Based on... Or 20 for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and it's, it's times like that where you, I was like, oh, yeah, I could use a little longer range. You know, I have, I have the mid-range uh, Model 3. And uh, so, but anyway, yeah, I, I went to Atlanta and I only spent a day there because then I realized that I needed to get to Austin and I... 
the drive from uh, Atlanta to Austin was longer than I wanted to do in one day. So I, uh, I left in early in the morning from Atlanta and got to, I decided to stop in Shreveport. Not that I know that there's anything interesting in Shreveport, but I got there, uh, and spent the night there at a hotel. And then, uh, and then the next day came to visit Lewis in uh, in Austin. And, uh, so pretty, pretty easy drive. I tell you one thing that happened to me though, was, you know, I went to Atlanta. I, I spent a day there. And when I left Atlanta, I, I left the car, like I was able to plug it in at my friend's house. And so the car is leaving with like, you know, 95 or something percent, uh, charge. And I've seen this happen several times where I'll leave. And then the car is telling me to stop at a relatively close supercharger. Um, and to me, the whole point of me charging, <laughs> Uh, that high was that I should go to a further away supercharger and, um, and let the, and let the, uh, the charge get, you know, to like, I don't know, 15% or something before it, it has to, uh, charge up again. And so I, I basically, I'm, as I'm leaving, I'm kind of fighting with the thing, like trying to see what superchargers are there and just trying to force it to go to a further super supercharger. Now it might have good reason. It might it might know that, oh, this is going to be the fastest way to do it. Or like the supercharger is closer to the highway or something. I don't really know. You know, we don't get an insight into in its reasoning. Um, but yeah, I just wanted, I wasn't ready to stop in the next uh, half hour. I wanted to get a good, you know, two hours in before I stopped. So I'm, I'm fiddling with the screen, you know, as I'm driving on FSD and I, I see the road and that, but I'm looking at the screen. It gives me a little warning. It's like, you know, pay attention to it. I am. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to fix, you know, this supercharger that you're making me go to. And then all of a sudden it, it gave me like, uh, you know, a forced disengagement and it said FSD no longer available. And I'm like, oh no. I mean, my heart sank. I'm like, oh no, I'm in the middle of this long drive. And the only reason it's like, so like, uh, not stressful is because FSD is taking care of most of it. Uh, and I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was actually kind of, I, I don't know, I felt like I, I went a little numb. Uh, I, that something similar to me uh, happened to me before, um, and it was sort of unexpected. And I, I remember being kind of pissed. Um, but this time I wasn't pissed, I was like, oh, because this was such a bigger thing. Like I'm, I was at a drive where I had like maybe two more hours to drive here. I'm in a drive where I got like, you know, literally days of driving, like at least like another 24 hours of driving. And, um, so yeah, so I was kind of worried. Uh, but it turns out, uh, it just defaulted back over to the old sort of navigate on autopilot. So it, it still has the lane keeping and, and with navigate on autopilot, it will still, uh, you know, give me the directions and stuff. Um, so Does your car it, have the single stack version yet? E, that's what, um, well, it depends what you mean by single stack, but, um, they've merged that, highway and city driving, right? It's yeah. Yeah. That, yes. That was, uh, like whatever version 11 point something. Um, and, uh, version 12, which normal people don't have yet is, is where the, the neural net decide, uh, does not just the perception, but also the, uh, you know, the actions. Um, so, but yeah, it was just sort of navigate on autopilot. And one thing I really noticed was how bad it is. Um, 
I mean, because you can just really see the difference um, in terms of just how it deals with things. And, and there's been no, there's been really no progress on that, right? They just sort of stopped working on that as they worked on FSD beta, which started as city streets, right? It was the FSD beta was just working on, um, on sort of local non-highway roads. And when, yeah, earlier when you had it, when you got on the highway, it went to navigate on autopilot and you could sort of tell that it made that transition because the visualization changed. In this case, I just had navigate on autopilot and when I was on sort of normal sort of surface streets, it just did your standard lane keeping. Um, so it comparatively, it sucks, but it's better than nothing. So, uh, and that's what I'm dealing with. And it, actually today I haven't checked, but today I should get it back. It said one week and it was last Sunday, uh, where I got kicked out of the beta. So, uh, and fortunately it's just a week as opposed to before where you had to wait for a full update. Um, hmm. that's, that's what, when it happened to me before I didn't have, I didn't, I, I didn't even have, I, I don't even think I had autopilot for like, uh, a couple months or something until I had another update. So that was pretty annoying. <laughs> See again, autopilot, autopilot jail is only for the drive. And then you put it in park and you're, uh, you're back on the road. Yeah. 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 So that anyway, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. It was for a time when you, when you had FSD beta and you, and you lost it, you had nothing. Uh, so that was a, a nice, uh, <laughs> so anyway, we'll see, we'll see how it works out. So yeah, so I went to Austin and then I went to Houston and in Houston I uh, made a point to go to uh, Johnson Space Center and I got to see Mission Control and and there's also they've refurbished the historic Mission Control that which where uh, the Apollo missions happened and and got cool. to actually go on the floor there and so that was pretty cool and they have a Saturn V there as you mentioned um, and it's amazing what a what a big rocket especially when you're on the uh, the business end of it, the mm -hmm. F one engines were so huge, uh, and the Giant. and and that 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 um, the staging of the Saturn V is such that it kind of tapers. You know, I mean, the very top of the thing is the um, is the uh, you know the the sort of abort. Uh, it's it's like a tractor. There's like a rocket to pull the capsule away, so it's really narrow at the top. You know. Uh, and as you get through the staging, like you get to the, the top stage where the, where the command module was and where the, the, the LEM, the lunar land, landing module was. Um, but yeah, when you get to the bottom of that thing, man, it's fat and you got these five huge engines. That's really, that's really something to see. Mm -hmm. And they also have a, um, a Falcon 9 booster that you can sort of walk up to and actually kind of touch. Um, and you can see the Merlin engines are so tiny in comparison, right? Merlin engines are like maybe this wide, but they got nine of them. And uh, you can walk up and, you know, see the grid fins and also the landing legs. And so that's that cool. And to cover with some soot, that particular booster did at least a couple um, cargo missions to the space station before they retired it. And, uh, and yeah, so that's that cool. And now I'm actually in Brownville, Texas, uh, and I'm going to, uh, it was about a, six or seven hour drive from Houston. And uh, I haven't yet, but I'll later day I'll uh, go down to Starbase and just sort of, just to see it. <laughs> like, I don't know when, when there'll be another time that I'm in Texas with a car. And, um, and it's neat, because right now uh, Starship is stacked, you know? Uh, and they're basically, you know, ready to do another uh, 
that that orbital launch test again once they um, finish with uh, whatever F, the FF, uh, FAA wants uh, out of them because you know the last time and we we talked about it uh, in did, the episode yeah. how they basically blew up the Destroyed launch pad it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and to me the worst thing was the uh, the um, the FTS, the flight termination uh, system, did not work, uh, and the and the mm. thing just kept going. That's horrifying because that could be a huge disaster. Oh, it did a it did at least five somersaults uh, before it finally fell apart. Um, so anyway, the thing stacked now. You can kind of just drive up there because uh, the thing is just so out in the open, and just, just sort of see it. So that'll be interesting, and uh, and I'll do that, and uh, I have some other things to do midweek and I'll start heading back and I'll I'll go back to Atlanta and stay there for a few days and uh, perhaps pay you a visit. Uh, I'll have steak on the table for you, my friend. <laughs> now we're talking. I have to hold you to that. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I you know, there's nothing really special about it. You just hop in the car and you go, you know, get your snacks together. There, there's no, I mean, you know, we've been doing TMC for a long time and uh when people first got their their roadsters, it was such a big deal to do a trip, you know, because when you charge your car, it was an all night thing, um, and it was it was a real adventure. Um, in fact, Plug in America discouraged people doing these like, oh, I'm going to do a Tesla road trip. They didn't want people to do it because it it basically showed the worst part of having an EV, and the worst part is this is like the major weakness was that charging is slow and that you're basically going to suffer. Uh, and there are several, like, you know, there was some group that tried to do a thing with the Tesla and they had like a, they had a bunch of kids as their support team and their kids were like, instead of charging the car, they were like, you know, playing with it and doing donuts and stuff. And the car wasn't charged and they had to, they had to fire the whole support team. And so anyway, a bunch of nightmare situations and it was just a big deal, you know, back then less than a. Um, you know, about a decade ago or so, and now it's. Uh, it's how is yeah, how is your Bucky's uh, experience? <laughs> Bucky's is great. Bucky's is great. Um, you know, I normally I like to have a big thing of tea, uh, uh, just to, just for a bit of caffeine. I'm getting up early, and I didn't manage to do that. And I'm not really a coffee drinker, um, but they had the the chocolate covered espresso beans, and, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I enjoyed that, and the jerky. And I was able to get a uh, uh, a brisket uh, breakfast burrito. <laughs> so, yeah, Bucky's is, is something else. I've been to a couple a couple Bucky's now. One was huge. One was basically a Walmart. Like you you, you could get clothes and stuff there. Uh, and the one I was at more recently was more normal sized. It was like oh. you know just food. I've never seen a small one. I I thought like I've only seen the really big ones where you can get clothes and everything. I didn't realize they had smaller ones. But it was but the good news is they all have small. Tesla superchargers now. So uh, so is that right? Every Bucky's has a supercharger. As, as far as I know, most of them should, if not all. So um, I've been to I think three different Bucky's that all had superchargers. I went to a supercharger opening at one of them um, mm-hmm. between Austin and San Antonio. But yeah, it was a big deal. That because Bucky's is known to be like a place to go get gas and have really good convenience stores, and they're like, well, it's a place to go get gas and now to supercharge your Tesla. So, 
Yeah, yeah, I, I find it really great. On the East Coast, I can't remember the name of the place now. Mo like, I would drive between Maryland and Ithaca uh, quite a bit, and most of the supercharger stops were at a... It starts with an S. Something, something that relates to, uh, to pizza, I think, like... Sparrows? No, it's like <laughs> slices, or... It, it's, it's like a terrible name, because it relates to pizza, but it sounds fecal. Um, <laughs> I, I can't remember what I can't, can't occur. I can't. Maybe we should just move off of that one. <laughs> <But> <laughs> anyway, it, it's basically like a kind of a, like a fast food. It's got like a convenience store kind of thing, but they're just sort of terrible. Whereas Bucky's is that, pretty cool. So. I think that, that pizza you were just thinking of, that's what they surfed on that recent Delta flight. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> So we should oh, we should mention you know because you know timing and stuff we should mention about the the supercharger study that came out Doug or oh, I yeah, guess yeah. Sam I don't know who wants to talk about it but um, yeah yeah let's see I have uh, why don't you talk about it while I find okay I'll talk about it okay so recent study came out on superchargers uh, you know there's been a lot of rumors for years and years about like oh don't supercharge too much if you do DC fast charging you're gonna mess up your car your battery life, yada, yada, all that kind of stuff. Um, and come, uh, now there's like actual, some hard data on this topic and what it shows is that's a bunch a of BS. Yeah, it <laughs> basically wash. doesn't matter. Um, so they had drivers, they had 6,300 vehicles, um, model threes specifically, uh, where people that supercharged a lot very often and folks that almost never did DC fast charging, um, and yeah, the battery life, uh, basically is pretty much tied to the age of it and the miles and stuff and not really how you charged it during its life. So, um, that's kind of good news for folks that do on a road trip. Uh, you don't have to worry about supercharging, uh, killing your car's range. So, yeah. Well, if, um, I, I didn't read the study, but specifically the model three or specifically Tesla, uh, it's sort of a testament to their engineering, uh, because you know things that are that make batteries die, right? I mean, there's a there's a ca calendar life and there's a cycle life, and things that can really eat into it is if if you know if the battery's like super hot, you know, temperature is like, a big one. Temperature is a big or thing. Or cold, and, too cold or hot. Yeah. Right. Well, so Tesla does a great job of maintaining the temperature of of its battery, even back to the the Tesla Roadster. You know, they were the only people that had a liquid cooled. Uh, battery where there's like you know antifreeze running along and uh, exchanging heat with the the battery uh, and you know the Nissan Leaf the first generation of that you know basically Nissan had to replace the batteries of a bunch of cars in Arizona because they just they died just being parked right just sitting outside being parked mm -hmm. um, uh, so yeah I think that's that's what it says really um, and that so yeah we're we're putting a lot of energy through it but. You know, you hear it gets loud, right? You hear those fans running that they're they're uh, they're doing what they need to do to to keep the battery healthy. And the battery basically wants to be about room temperature. It wants to be around twenty degrees Celsius, and uh, and that's what they uh, they have a very interesting and uh, well engineered HVAC system that uh, moves heat around in just the right ways to keep the keep the battery and the and the motor and the occupant. Uh, you know, cool. So it, it'll be interesting to see in a few years if we ever, you know, we get more data on 
Tesla's battery life based on this versus other competitors? Because mm-hmm. I agree with you. There's a lot that goes into the engineering and the manufacturing of the car um, and the battery pack specifically that uh, and you know the battery management system that will impact this. So uh, Tesla, though, is definitely doing extremely well with it. So, so I don't think I think pretty much everybody is doing some kind of uh, liquid cooling in terms of the, the battery temperature management now, right? Right. They, they all basically copied Tesla, but there are some interesting alternatives of like how, where, you know, uh, are they doing it on the, you know, uh, which side of the cells are they doing it, you know, on the, on the, on the ends, uh, are they doing it on like around the cylinder? Um, and you know, is it little heat pipes or is it, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's, there's a lot of nuance into how they're specifically building the packs. Um, mm-hmm. and what type of coolant they're doing and yada, yada. But Well, that, that was another advantage of Tesla because, uh, you know, the other companies were using these sort of prismatic cells, as they call them, or these sort of pouch-type cells. And, and Tesla, by having these, uh, you know, these sort of cylindrical cells where they're essentially smaller, so you, you can pull the heat out of them better as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, you have some, some pouch. Where how, are you, how are you getting the heat out of the center of that, that big pouch? Yep. It's actually yeah. one of the differences between the 4680 cells, right, versus the the older ones because the older ones are smaller. Smaller, yeah. Um, so it's easier to get more heat out for the higher performance, which is one of the reasons they're not putting 4680s in the in the plaids. But anyway, but yeah, so this was a really cool study. I thought it was neat um, and kind of yeah. related to uh, your road tripping since you're doing a whole lot. Yeah. Doing a lot of supercharging, yeah. This is true. Good stuff. Great note to end on. I have one question that I want to see if uh, Doug or Lewis, you guys can answer. It's from Paul in the chat, and he's actually asking um, about the battery capacity in the Model 3 Highland. So you guys can see it on the screen, but Mm -hmm. he has an 82 kilowatt hour battery in his 22 Model 3. I'm guessing that's the long range. Um, There's really no specs yet officially on the, the battery in the uh, the new Highland. So do we know, is it 75 kilowatts? Like, what is it? So I, again, we don't, we haven't been able to tear one apart, so we don't know specifically what's in there. Um, and they also do tricks sometimes where they'll put bigger batteries. We don't have full access or things like that. Uh, what I'll say is, um, you know, to Doug's point, the, uh, co- the drag coefficient of the new Highland design should only give about 5% improved performance. Um, but it's possible they made other improvements in other places because they're saying that it's going the long range. Uh, if you do the math, basically it comes out to uh, what 391 miles of range, um, which is more than 5% greater than what the older long range is. So I would say they either just other efficiencies as well, um, or it's maybe a slightly bigger pack or some kind of standard. Um, I don't know, but we don't know for sure, but, uh, it's, it's probably not going to be much bigger. Like I, they, it's very unlikely that they have something like a, you know, the hundred kilowatt or something like that. That's kind of more standard on the bigger cars. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Well, thanks for answering that. What, once somebody gets one to a place that could rip it apart, we'll know definitively, right? That's basically what ends up happening for these. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Well, also with the ratings, you know, it, it, I do wonder how much you'll actually get out of it, right? Because if it's really mostly due to aerodynamics, but you drive quickly because you like, you know, to zip around in your Tesla, I don't think you're going to see that range increase, right? 
Right. But yeah, my plaid's rated for 400. I, the way I drive, I would never claim that, that it's going to hit 300 even at a full <laughs> charge. So, uh, but yeah. Yeah. And, and if you're on a trip like, like I am now, uh, you know, the charging speeds are really fast, right? The charging speeds are at, you know, like 300 plus miles an hour, right? Miles of charge per hour. So it's, uh, you know, tack with efficiency, like in terms of time, you're better off going as fast as you can to get to that next supercharger. Uh, and mm. uh, as opposed to trying to, which is something you used to have to do. When I talked about when you're on the roadster, you really had to think about, uh, you know, slowing down and going like 60 miles an hour or slower because uh, the, the amount of lost range to, due to wind resistance, which, mm. uh, you know, goes as the velocity squared, you know, that's, that's like more hours of charging, right? Whereas since the charge rate is faster than, than you can shed uh, miles, you know, um, you're, you're better off just driving quickly and getting to the next charger. So that's something to think about. All right. Lots of advice for uh, everybody's next road trip. I would say <laughs> that's a wrap. So thank you all for joining us today. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, X, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, please consider becoming a supporting member. And you can, of course, join us on the Tesla Motors Club website. All right, guys. It was good to see you. Thanks to our producers, Adam and Danny. And we'll see you guys on the next one.